Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Facebook Live. I'm your director, John Zerflu, here at the American School of Warsaw. Welcome, one and all. I see people are slowly but surely gathering uh, with us online. It looks like we've got 25 or so already in. Uh, I will note that I just approved new members. We hadn't been monitoring that and missed that we had uh, new uh, families that had joined our Facebook group. I've approved them all, so hopefully uh, they'll be able to join us tonight and get in. As always, uh, you know we've got this tonight that's live and I'll be answering your questions as you write them in the chat. Uh, be, please feel free to post a greeting right now and say a hello and good evening to everyone at your discretion. Uh, and then a recording of this will be posted uh, sometime later tonight or tomorrow uh, so that you can watch it if you weren't able to attend or if you aren't able to stay with us for the entire time. I have much to talk to you about tonight, but let me first start by just wishing you well and hoping that your uh, summer uh, time has been spent uh, in good health and in the care of all around you. Uh, I hope everyone has uh, has enjoyed um, the wonderful weather that we've certainly been having with the occasional sprinkle here and there. Uh, and uh, certainly for those who are traveling, I hope you're staying safe and that you will find your way back to us in due course. Um, let me uh, kick off my screen here and bring up my presentation at this point, and we'll start off with how much I have to share with you tonight. There's a lot going on um, here at the American School of Warsaw, as you can probably imagine, as we're getting ready for opening this year. And so again, happy to have you with us uh, so that I can share this. I was not able to send this out in advance of this meeting tonight, but all of it is being prepped and readied uh, to send to your mailboxes tomorrow. All of these slides in particular, which really is the guide, plus a cover letter that's in its final edits. Um, all will be coming out tomorrow so that you'll have it to digest through the weekend. There is a lot here. So I'm gonna apologize up front for how much talking I'm gonna do tonight as I'm also trying to keep my eye on the screen for your questions. And I'll certainly go back and review them and do my best to answer them uh, in due course. Uh, but let's kick right off. Uh, we're gonna start with um, just talking about last time we had together. Uh, I did, a, a, again, our usual survey. We had 93 responses. Thank you for all of your input on both the things you heard and the things that you wanted us to continue to consider. All of that has gone into our planning. And while we can't do everything to satisfy everyone, we seem to be trending in the right direction with 10 being high, one being low. We still have those that are concerned out there and certainly information is changing regularly right now and making it extremely challenging uh, to effectively be agile in response to all of that. But we think we've got an approach that does that and also assures our August 18th opening. So let me launch in and give you the backdrop to this. First of all, we are opening on August 18th. I want that very clear out there. We hear rumblings out there amongst our parent community and more recently amongst our student community that they are firmly convinced we're not going to open on the 18th. We are, uh, and, and we're planning towards that and making our incremental progress to get all of our bits in place so that we can be prepared for that. And I'll share some of that with you tonight, uh, some of the things that we're pulling together. So given the current state of action and the planning that has been done through our audit, we're very confident 
that we can open even under this continued pandemic threat. Um, and we're watching and we're being prepared and we're ready to be agile um, as necessary, but we're ready to open, we believe on August 18th. Um, we're pleased to announce tonight based on board action uh, that we will be continuing our partnership with Epixpert. After the audit work, we put out bids for services associated with the recommendations and Epixpert came back um, and it was, it was clear that they are the correct strategic partner for continuing our work. As a medical organization, they can effectively help us with our testing program. And they also have the tools and the, and the capabilities and resources uh, to take on the challenges that we are all uh, seeing on the horizon. And so they are now our partners and we'll be working with them hand in hand uh, to make sure that we're doing all the things necessary to assure the health and safety of our students while we come back to school. Um, so excited to welcome them. As part of that, uh, and I'll say this a couple of times through the presentation, Dr. Olshuk will come back with us uh, next Wednesday for our town hall uh, to dig a bit deeper into some of the details here. What has guided us throughout this? Well, of course, I, I'm going to reiterate again in our core values and our mission and our objective have formed the foundation for guiding us in our work in this area in getting ready for school and particularly our core values. You'll see how these are linked to our planning, which has has shifted and expanded in the face of the audit that we received. It was profound in terms of seeing how these different actions lined up and ultimately uh, yielded a methodology for making sure we're covering all the bases in our various projects as we're pulling the details together. Uh, but in the backdrop of that, we also have an ongoing focus on emotional well-being. We're very much aware, and thank you to the parents who have written to me uh, about your concerns, well-founded in making sure that we address the child in all of this, and particularly the emotional wellness of children as they come back to the school environment. And so a key focus will be placed on this. Despite the fact that there'll be a lot of nuts and bolts in this presentation tonight, please know that divisional leaders and teachers as they start to return are all focused on this aspect of how do we do this thoughtfully and carefully given the stipulations that we're going to add and how can we make it sustainable and part of how we do things comfortably and out of deference to the emotional stability of children. We know that coming back to school is good for our children. We know that there's plenty of underlying research that supports that the social emotional growth of children needs us to come back to school. And that's been a, a guiding beacon, if you will, to addressing how we will come back and how we will attend to our children in the process. So please know this is why our core values sit at the foundation of what we do and how we want to uh, address the way in which we come back together. And it'll be age dependent. It'll be very different for early childhood as it is for upper um, and it'll be nimble and, and responsive to our students needs as we bring this together. So we have our audit recommendations and I've tried my best given the volume of the content to organize it in a way tonight that will help me address what we're doing to respond to the recommendations and address all of these areas that were in 23 
key recommendations that form uh, the final chapter of the audit. There's much more in the audit and it'll be posted on Zimplicity tomorrow in order to make sure um, that everybody has access to the information. Um, not that we can do everything that's in the audit, but the 23 key recommendations um, that were gleaned from the overall content of the audit has been our focus of attention. And you'll see tonight that we've addressed each of these areas in the way in which they combine together into projects and along our broad planning framework. So you'll get a sense of this as we get deeper into the presentation. Our planning framework revolves around uh, a new model that we think captures all of our work. And in essence, we've grouped these recommendations and strategies and also learned from other international schools around the world in defining our stop, protect, react plan. Um, this is different from what I presented to you previously, and we think it does a better job of capturing all of the different elements and linking it to our core values. So for example, when we're talking about stopping the virus from entering the school, this is our step forward, our action framework, um, how we make things happen. But to a certain extent, working together is also engaged in that portion of our plan. Um, when we move to protect, it's definitely about us all working together because this is where we protect against the virus by instituting all of our practices that will become part of the way we do business at school. And this also brings in that aspect of how learning, how this becomes a learning opportunity, how we learn about these things and weave them into life. This is putting the same into life as you put into school. So what we do at school will be equally applicable outside of school and in the home environment and in the broader community. And then the react is really about bouncing back. How will we be agile? How will we respond? And how will we make sure that we're addressing things effectively through defined protocols and with the right minds at the table? This is our partnership, but it's also the way in which we use the resources in our staff to make efficient and effective decisions to react when we need to react. And the whole thing really wraps around making the whole world your classroom and understanding how what we do at school is very much a reflection of what we do in life and what we do to create a community that can be safe and connected together. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later in the presentation. So if I take that first layer, that bottom layer of stopping the virus from entering school, and then I highlight the audit recommendations that are associated with that, you'll begin to see how we're crafting our approach to protect us at the front line. This is about testing of all students and staff. It's about testing results coupled with an entry authorization. Uh, it's a daily attestation. Attestation is a new term that's being used for this practice. We've talked about it before as the daily risk survey or the daily log or the routines uh, where we ask parents to address a set of questions that essentially assesses the health of the student and answers those questions in order to become part of the picture of the family and the student risk profile. That in coordination with the testing determines the permission to enter school. So that's our front line. Then we have the badge and identification to control the entry. We have our temperature checking at the entrance and we have this 
uh, initial limited access for guests and parents in order to protect the health and safety of the inner school environment. Um, we have RFID wristbands that students will be wearing in order to check in at their entrances for each of the cohorts. Staff already have their badges they will become part of this system and linked to the app, which they will be doing as well. And all of this is meant to provide for this um, opportunity for everyone to reflect on how are we doing? Are we in a good place? Now we're ready to go to school. Make it part of a morning routine, make it part of the, of the way we get ready for each day. And it really helps us to uh, essentially get settled into the day. And at the same time, we're using an algorithm to assess how we're doing. So in order to measure and monitor the health and safety of the environment, we will implement a required preventative testing program. There were questions from parents early on about whether there would be opt out to this testing. There won't be. This will be a required program for all students and all staff on a weekly basis that will form the basis of our approach. I'll talk a little bit more about this in the react phase when I talk about how we will react when issues emerge relative to the testing and we'll get a better sense of that. But this is the pooled testing that will be the baseline for the way in which we will assure that entry, that, that in, input into our system. Our partner in this process is, as I said, is Epixpert. Epixpert has demonstrated their preparedness and competency to fulfill these requirements and provide this safety net for our school. Um, testing will be simple and easily administered by our health office staff supported by Epixpert professionals. Uh, it'll involve a comfortable minimal impact approach to weekly gathering of samples, pooling and testing. For more details on this, though, I'm going to refer you to the Medium article that we wrote that I've had linked in your Monday bulletins uh, and that I've now posted on Zimplicity so you can have easy access to it there as well. Um, and again, it details the science behind it, the links and the articles that have set the foundation for this approach. And while CDC has not recommended this approach. They have not denied the possibility of this approach if you can surmount the challenges of access to resources and materials associated with it. And this is not diagnostic testing. This is preventative testing, which is where the pooling comes in. And again, when we get to the response plan and the reaction protocol, you'll see how the preventative testing leads into actual diagnostic testing where, you're, where you have options and how we then will respond or react to that. So I'm gonna talk about that shortly. Again, Dr. Olashuk will be with us next week and we can go deeper into the testing itself and how that'll be undertaken as simply as possible in a school setting um, so that we can make sure we're doing this on a regular basis and adjusting in an agile way when new information, both in the surrounding setting as well as new science. We expect tests to become easier, to become cheaper, uh, to become more uh, uh, in, in more easy to do within large-scale environments over time. The demand is there and the companies and the research is stepping up to make sure we have that. And we need this in our environment as we are seeing in colleges and schools in the United States as well as around the world in order to bridge us to the point in time where we will have a vaccine and other methods for protecting populations. So this will be our starting point. 
The projected dates for testing then, um, staff testing actually begins this week with our new staff administration and some of our support staff. It continues next week as we establish our weekly schedule and include full staff before they return to work the following week. Um, the student initial testing is currently projected to begin on August 10th, and it'll run through August 17th and weekly thereafter. Uh, details on this will come next week as we get closer, and also we'll be using our PowerSchool interface uh, to help us organize family appointments, similar to how we did uh, the checkout appointments, but with uh, broader options and sometimes uh, available for drop-in as well as those who will be scheduling. It'll be here at a testing center that we'll be setting up on campus. And again, more details on this will come out next week. One important note, under the protocol as we've currently defined it, we believe that families need to be in Poland, in the Warsaw area, uh, back home basically, for at least 72 hours before testing. And so that captures any potential exposures during travel um, and gets a, 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 an efficacy for the test. And so we're gonna suggest that we're gonna have some staggered uh, start relative to this on the basis that some of you may be planning not to arrive back in Warsaw until shortly before school opens. But we'll do our best to accommodate it and we'll also have extra hours and times to make sure we give you plenty of opportunity to get that test in so that you're ready and prepared um, to start the first day of school or shortly thereafter. Let's talk, talk about start of school and attendance a little bit. We do expect a little bit of a staggered start, uh, particularly for those that may be arriving back later uh, before uh, coming to school. Um, and also we have a tradition and we'll follow it again, again from the emotional well-being point of view, to have a staggered uh, approach to early childhood, particularly with kids coming back after this long absence from school. We want to make sure and make that as comfortable as possible. We have plans relative to this that still involves parents but still restricts the access to the cohort. So we'll be communicating those from the divisional offices. They'll be designing these approaches and giving that information to you well in advance of the first days of school. So that first week of school is, is gonna look a little bit more staggered than it might have in the past. And depending upon um, the next few days as we work out some of the details and as we get feedback from you, we may target that even a little bit further in terms of adjustment. Um, so staggered start and working on attendance and we'll be flexible and, and agile in that regard. So going back to our model, so the, again, this is our model, our three areas are stop, protect, and react. Let's talk now about protect. So different areas of the uh, audit that are highlighted right now. And, and this then is more facility related. And you can see the long list of things. I, I won't read them all, but you can see touch-free, you can see hygiene practices. This is how we stay safe and how we build habits and practices in the environment. Um, and, and really demonstrate to kids that we're creating this safe environment and then involving them in making good decisions within this environment so that we protect each other. Um, and so this is that long list of things that we're working on and things that we're doing. Um, best way to look at this is maybe a few visual images, um, which I'll share with you in just a minute. We are organizing along cohorts. And so you know now, and you knew last time that we'll have elementary, middle, and high school cohorts. 
Um, these cohorts will be isolated to the degree possible. Uh, the initial recommendations of the audit, we've tweaked them slightly and come up with um, some slight modifications that it actually improves on those audit recommendations. And these cohorts uh, will form the home base for that cohort. And we're doing rescheduling and pathways and room moves in order to accommodate this as well. But in terms of the facility things, um, again, this is our picture, our entrances, so you can get a sense of that. Uh, but here's some of the facility things that have been going on where our entrances are being completely revamped for touchless. These will be sliding glass doors and they'll, and for energy saving purposes, they'll have air curtains built into them so that they'll be functional um, all throughout the seasons of the year. Uh, if we take a look on the side, we've installed a fence out back to create a security of the inner building area um, so that there's no way to circumvent the main entrances and the entrance protocol. And our touchless water um, is uh, being installed around the building. And so one of the things you'll want to be sure of is that kids will have water bottles uh, starting on the first day because we're going all touchless uh, water bottle filling as our main methodology for hydration. Uh, we're checking all of our water, doing our water testing, and everything will be ready for the first day. And these water dispensers have filtering built into them as well. And there are a bunch of them throughout the building. So we have plenty of places for uh, refilling, uh, both throughout the building and our water filling center um, that's just outside the cafeteria that can be accessed by uh, middle and high school. Masks. We've had lots of questions about masks, and, and I want to appreciate uh, parent input on masks uh, back in our previous uh, town hall. Uh, we are going to require the wearing of masks at school at the outset, but we're going to use the CDC advice here in terms of face coverings. And so uh, it's highlighted there in the middle that the CDC recommendations face coverings should be worn by staff and students, particularly older students as feasible. And that key word as feasible recognizes that it can be challenging and particularly for younger students. So we're going to do it as much of the time as possible, particularly even in classroom settings. But we're going to recognize the, the developmental appropriateness and the age appropriateness of this. And we're going to um, adjust in those areas where appropriate, always defaulting to the feelings of the student and trying to preserve safety. We're not planning on mass in outside play um, other than the adults um, and certainly not wearing mass in PE. So we're not creating health risks. Uh, we are defaulting to the CDC recommendation of cloth face coverings. Uh, and although staff and vulnerable populations certainly have the options. So you should be thinking now about your child coming prepared with a mask to school. They should be wearing it as they enter school. Uh, they certainly will be required to wear it on bus transportation. Um, and, and then they should have it with them at all times during the day, which the teachers will help support and make sure of. If students are gonna use disposable variety masks, and certainly we'll have those on hand as well in case of of, of any issues. Um, they, they should come with 
um, extras with two essentially for the day. And we'll put more guidance on the specifics of that as we get closer. And again, this will be divisionally sent out and reminders sent out by teachers um, to make sure we're following these guidelines. This is the current guideline and all of the, of the science and latest information is supporting that wearing masks is with us uh, for the, the near to long term. And we should get used to it and we should teach it and we should make it part of our existence. We don't wanna put anyone at risk. We understand particularly for breathing and those kinds of things. We wanna be thoughtful and cautious um, and, and particularly in physical activities where we can protect in other ways through social distancing. Um, but at the outset, it seems prudent, again, along the lines of our core value of we're all in this together, that we are all wearing masks um, on day one, and that we continue in that for the first month or so of school until we have a sense of how our testing regime is protecting us and how we're doing on the risk assessments and the measurements. And then we can look at whether we might start to uh, relax. But we're inside a building, and even though we're going to do lots of things with airflow and air quality and bringing fresh air in and opening windows and doing all the things that the audit recommends, uh, we're still thoughtful about masks and, and the need to have them and wear them and use them and model that uh, for the world. And, and keep in mind, the main reason for wearing a mask is to not share the virus with others in case you're infected and don't know it. Now, our testing is going to catch that and it's going to react to that. But there still is this possibility of, of getting um, exposed to the virus. And so the wearing of masks is also about more about protecting others than it is about protecting yourself and what, and what you take in. And so that research is pretty solid. And even the CDC um, is, is making that recommendation. And you'll see that on the bottom bullet on the screen here. Let's see. I wanted to drop in just a quick point on swimming. The sanitary guidelines in this area are starting to clear up, but they're still a little bit unclear. But there is an evidence that, that this is generally a more protected space due to the natural disinfecting quality of chlorinated water and our cohort limited access that will also be implemented. We're not planning to start swimming right away. We're actually going to take our time before we consider how we might uh, open up spitting, uh, swimming and do it in, a, in an appropriate way and mitigate for all of the sanitary guidelines. And so just hold tight on that and know that we'll be coming back with clear guidelines and requirements. And given the sensitive nature of it, we'll certainly work with families when there are any um, expressed concerns. All right, so we'll go back to our model here and now let's move into React. So React is where again we go back to testing but now we add crisis team and the agile adjustment. Um, testing protocol, how we respond to the testing, not how we do the testing now but how we respond to it, how the crisis team will make its decisions and how we will adjust our approaches based on community and environment factors. So this is where Epixpert comes in as our partner and they'll be constantly and regularly addressing um, the situation in the environment and they'll be working hard to then adjust our protocol. So could we increase the, the frequency of testing? or decrease it as community spread demonstrates to us? Do we need to do other things 
within the context of our protocol? How would we respond in a given situation? This is where we have through Epixpert medical professionals on an immediate on-call basis to advise us and help us in making those critical agile decisions. Remember that we had a risk level associated with actions and our posture. And so let me um, go there really quickly and then I'll come back to the protocol. We are currently at risk level three. We're going to risk level three with our first day of school. We were at four, that's when we're in virtual school and there always is the potential that we'll go back to virtual school in rolling fashion. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but it'll, we don't believe if we follow these protocols that we'll ever be in virtual school for very long. And, and you'll see that when you start looking at the protocol. So the protocol in the dashed corner up in the upper left is about the weekly testing. So that all sits in there. And then the pool results would drive our actions. So if we had a pool that tested positive, then the five individuals in that pool would be excluded from school. So that means they stay out of school until we retest. Then we retest the individuals. And at this point, there's an option for the family to seek individual testing outside of the school for the, that student who was in the positive pool. We again assess the individual test results. If they're negative, then the student is returned to school. And we tease out who the positive result is and the positive result comes down here. Now I've got these identified as, as plural because you could have more than one pool, but you may only have two individuals. And so each of these has the option to be one or more. When you get down here and you look at individuals and families then of the positive result, you're going into the 14 day quarantine. This is similar to what we dealt with for those returning from Italy. In that case, it was a self quarantine. In this case, with a positive result, you go into a 14 day quarantine. And of course there's retesting options and we would refer to primary care providers in order to work with the family whenever a positive case emerges. Um, the cases obviously reported, this is Epixpert where they come in as partners, they report it to the sanitary authorities. Um, and then the crisis team meets and we start the contact tracing and determine the scope of our response. Given our other practices, we have decisions to make here that are informed by the health professionals as to what we close down, what we send home, what we retest and what we check and how we continue operation or how we determine which groups we send home to go into virtual school for a limited period of time while we reassure the safety of those individuals to return to school. Again, in a case, in a single case, it might only be that case that goes home. We have the regular testing cycle. So people in those cohorts and in those environments will be retested in very short order and will have indications of any additional exposure. Um, if it's larger than that, if it's multiple cases, then we can do groups and we can even go out to full cohorts um, going home for a period of time in virtual school until we do the retesting and return to school. So this is the way the protocol works. And again, it's informed by health experts sitting at the table with us, helping us to guide our actions and our decisions to again, assure the broader safety of the environment. And you can see then how the negative results feed back into 
a return to school and how, uh, how we build our practice in that regard. Um, this again, all seems to be in line with medical advice that exists out there and dialogue with professionals across the spectrum and provides us with the plan for how we will react and how we will respond um, when a testing protocol. This is the reaction phase. Again, focusing in on that band, this is how we deal with the individual groups. We continue that at risk level three as our protocol until we meet the criteria that says we can move to a reduced risk level. So the reduced risk level could have us changing the frequency, changing the way we do things, changing the way we react in situations. And all of those are dependent upon the crisis team and the way in which we make our decisions here at school. Other areas of the recommendation includes transportation and cafeteria. We've talked about this before. Transportation will drop off at each of the three cohorts. It'll do uh, seating on the bus by those cohort groupings. Um, they'll be loading directly to buses after school. There's no gathering in the cafeteria this year. We'll deal with the supervision and the methodology for that. Uh, and that will involve staggered dismissal times that'll allow students to um, get to those buses in cohort groupings. And there will be obviously assigned seating and, and masks involved in all uh, school uh, associated transportation. Um, the cafeteria uh, will not be an open spacing where we already talked about that, right? So it'll be, but in terms of delivery of lunch, it'll be a minimized program and set lunches. Uh, there will be an online ordering methodology for this. Uh, for elementary, that means lunches delivered to classrooms. Uh, for eating in classrooms, all lunches will be eaten in classrooms. At the upper school, um, the lunch times will be changed and staggered so that kids have um, a set amount of time and there's a limited number of individuals in the cafeteria. The seating plan changes to provide for social distancing in the cafeteria. And clearly there's not going to be coffee service or a la carte uh, service in the cafeteria. It'll be focused entirely on just the lunch program. Um, and all of our efforts right now are on defining the, the schedule and the methodology for doing that and doing that in a safe and effective way. And again, this is while we're at risk level three and whether we would relax that and begin to modify those approaches if we are able to move to risk level two is uh, directly dependent upon the results we get through these various programs and how we implement them. There is a stipulation in the audit too about avoiding mass transit. And I just wanna highlight that there was a strong recommendation um, that mass transit is a primary point of risk. And so we're just recommending to all families um, to really try to avoid mass transit. If you're gonna use mass transit, you really need to follow the masking and social distancing guidelines. Um, but um, just know that that was a key point in the overall recommendations because of the research associated with that being a high risk um, area. Um, okay, continuing on. So summarizing all of this, parents, you're going to have to make a key decision in the coming days. And we'll send out details about how you will log this decision, and it'll take place in PowerSchool. But given all of this information and our plan for opening school, you'll need to decide, are you ready to return to school? In which case, you'll show up for testing uh, during that week of August 10th, right up until the 17th. Um, and then... Um, you'll 
send your child to school at the prescribed time, depending upon how all these bits come together. The other option is to stay home and still stay enrolled at ASW. And that's going to involve uh, making a decision to choose hybrid schooling. So this will be a choice that we're going to ask you to make up front before that first day of school. And hybrid schooling is best is, is not fully defined yet, but it's best defined this way. It's not full virtual school, but it retains assignment to the classrooms, the schedule, the teachers um, that you either already know or are about to be informed about as kids start accessing um, their schedules online as we get closer to the opening of the year. Um, so this will capitalize on what we learned in the spring and we'll be implementing additional practices that will support hybrid learning by capitalizing on what we learned in virtual school and maintaining our, and this will also maintain our preparedness for virtual school if we have to impose it either on a cohort or on the whole school for a limited period of time. Again, reiterating, virtual school, if it happens, will only be for short periods of time. It won't be for the long stint that we did so well at in the springtime. We are looking for, with our protocols, to if, if, we're, if we're reacting and moving into virtual school, we'll be looking to move out of it as quickly as possible. Hybrid learning would involve a mix of synchronous and asynchronous strategies. We know that. Um, it'll be dependent upon age and developmental level. At early childhood, we learned that there needs to be this model of frequent communication with parents, with families as they support delivery at home. So we know that'll be a key component. And we will prioritize at early childhood and at elementary in particular, the social emotional development, letting kids know that there's a caring relationship between the teacher, classmates and the child, even if they're not present in school. We will start with that at the beginning. But what we want to say is this choice that you will make is a limited time frame choice at the outset. You'll do it in three week chunks. So we'll start with you'll make this choice and it'll go for the first three weeks of school. Then sometime during that three week period, we'll assess where you're at and we'll determine what your next step will be, whether it's time for you to come to school or whether you're going to continue the hybrid approach. And at the same time, in the spirit of our agility program, we're going to be looking at the numbers. And then from the numbers, determine whether there are options to potentially orchestrate something above the hybrid approach that might be akin to some degree of virtual learning. And that really depends upon the numbers and what we're facing as the challenges for doing that. So we need that first three weeks to plan and consider how we might implement something like that. And that's and it's, and it's not a promise we will implement it. We can continue hybrid and we can add elements to it if that's what the numbers dictate. But I wanted to hold out that option that we might be able to come up with other options after we look at the numbers and after we consider um, what we're able to do. We do know from the spring and from our learning that we can't expect a teacher to do full virtual school at the same time that they're doing in school uh, teaching. And so we know that we either have to figure out how to create sections and how to, how to staff the model. Um, and it, a lot of it depends upon the numbers of students that we're going to be dealing with. But we also know that the, a big chunk of our population, probably a majority of our population, 
under protocols of this nature are likely to return to school. So it's just, where does that number lie at what levels? And then we can selectively and uh, effectively implement the programs we need to, to address the kids um, that are choosing for whatever reason not to come to school on that first day or in that first week. Um, one parent wrote me about health checks, so I thought I would throw this in here. I know I've been including in my Monday bulletins that you should go get your annual health check. Um, and, and I recognize that some have written to me that they're very concerned about going to health professionals at this time, and I understand that. So I'm going to work with Marilyn, and essentially we're just going to expand uh, a, the grace period for doing um, the doctor's uh, medical health check. Um, so we'll be very, 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 very flexible on this. Um, we do ask that you reach out to your healthcare provider, even if you don't go in to see them, and make sure you're comfortable with your child being involved in normal school activities and that there's no stipulations that you're going to be concerned about. Remember, these health checks are part of assuring a student's fitness to be involved in those extended activities, whether it's PE or after school activities. Um, but we are aware it's difficult to go get these checks. We don't want to necessarily expose ourselves to clinics or other areas where it may be a risk to the family. So I'm sensitive to that. And I, and I just, I made the decision today. You have extra time, even if that's months from now, um, but you do not need to um, worry too much about the health checks. We'll put that on abeyance until we have a better sense of the environment and what's possible and what's doable for families. So that's the summary. Stop, protect, react. Um, this is what we're trying to do. I have not been paying attention to the questions, so I'm going to go back to them and scroll back, and I'm going to try to address them. Um, so stay tuned, stay online here. Um, and this is really what I wanted to present to you tonight. And then all of this um, will be made available to you tomorrow, all of these slides in a presentation that we can post and send out. I should mention that on Zimplicity, I'm, uh, I'm going to be posting a, a frequently asked questions page that will have at the top of it all of these key documents that we've been sharing over the last three or four weeks as we've been doing our summer planning. The summer schedule for town halls continues on next week on August 5th. Uh, we'll talk more about the pre-opening final details, and my guest will be Dr. Olashuk. Um, he'll be joining me as our new partner, uh, EP expert, and we'll go into detail on the testing, and then we'll address all remaining questions. I'll be taking parent feedback tonight, so I'll be sending out a survey link tomorrow as well. And so we'll try to address that and tweak our plans based on the feedback that we get. Again, we've tried to be comprehensive tonight in pushing out all of the details of our reopening plan uh, as much as we know them to make sure that we have everything in place. All right, with that, I'm going to stop the sharing. I'm going to go to the question page and uh, see if I can start to answer the questions that have been coming up. Um, let me scroll back to the beginning. Look at, thank you for all the hellos and welcomes as you were coming in. Um, additional costs for parents and students. No, thank you for reminding me. I didn't put that in the slides. No, we're covering this under our contingency budget. As I said last week, um, there's no cost to you. We're using uh, emergency reserves to help us in this crisis situation. If it continues beyond a certain period of time, and we'll be assessing this on a month-to-month, semester-to-semester basis, we may look to recover some costs 
um, in the future. There is one part of the program I failed to mention in here, and it comes later. It's not going to be done right at the beginning, but it will be possible for parents to opt into the testing program, weekly testing, in order to have access to work within the school community. We're sensitive to the fact that we have volunteers, PTO, people that we want to be involved in the school community uh, and that do help us on a regular basis. And so we're going to have a program. It won't be at the beginning. It'll come after that first three weeks of settling in. And we will start a program where parents can opt in. If a parent opts in, we are gonna ask that parent then um, to, uh, to handle the cost of that program. And we'll be able to give you the details on that as we pull the program together because it will be additional cost from a testing point of view within the context of our overall plan. Okay, um, let me keep going here. Um, thank you, Rebecca, for the pool testing. I appreciate that. Um, Let's see, Michael, you're responding to something, but I don't see the original question. So, um, uh, pickup will be, a, well, Kasha is suggesting that drop-off pickoff will be chaotic. No, we don't think so. Um, we think that the drop-off and pickup will generally be controlled. We'll have plans for the pickup, which is really um, where it'll be a little bit more. The actual uh, going to the buses will be much more controlled. Uh, because we'll have uh, a direct to the buses. And so kids will be on the bus. It'll, in, it'll improve our departure time, which will probably be tighter. Um, and so we don't believe it'll be chaotic, but we think actually it'll start um, optimizing it in a significant way. Drop-off shouldn't change that much with the exception of the buses doing a couple of additional stops on their way uh, through the parking lot. But generally they've always been there interacting with traffic. So it won't change that that much. Um, parents will not, so Kasha, yes, confirming, parents will not have to pay for student tests. Student testing is included in our contract with Epixpert and it is covered by the school through our emergency reserves. Um, ch families with children in multiple cohorts, it will be somewhat challenging. And this is part of the crisis team's assessment when they decide to close a cohort whether families will be involved in that and how that will be affected. When a family's involved in a positive test, the whole family goes out. So that was part of the response plan. But we're unclear about when we close down a cohort, whether we need to go further than that. And that's a crisis team response reality in terms of looking at that and using the health experts advice to make that decision. Um, and that's where it gets complicated. We don't know. Uh, uh, there, this is new territory in terms of how you would respond. We'll probably respond more safely rather than less uh, in regards to our decisions when we see um, something that's more significant in terms of spread. Okay. I, I can't advise on some of the other idiosyncrasies of kids in classes together, Emily. So I'm going to hold off on that one. It's really relatively the same answer. These are where it gets complicated. And I know the crisis team will take that into account as they're pulling that together. Uh, Shelly, you asked about testing before the first day of school. Hopefully you saw the answer there. Uh, we are testing starting the 10th of August and we'll be doing that the week before. And so 10th to 17th, thank you, Laura and Michael for jumping in. Um, 
COVID symptoms can equate to many other illnesses common to cold and flu, yes. But remember, we already have health policy, uh, Roycing, which is that students with temperatures and with symptoms should not be coming to school. So COVID testing is just like what we're currently doing with temperature testing. It's not that much different. Yes, it's a swab and it's taking a sample and it's running a test that will have results in two, three hours. And so we can make quick responses. Uh, but it, it's basically the same as when we send the child to the health office and say, we think he's got a temperature. And if he's got a temperature, we send him home. This is the same thing. Um, when we see temperatures at the front entrance, we know we have to do a secondary assessment. And so that again is where we'll have isolation spaces set up where health staff will respond and do an assessment in order to discriminate um, symptoms versus uh, potential COVID related symptoms. And then we have the testing facility. We can throw an extra test in there if we feel that there's a concern or that something has emerged, but that'll be done with parent advice. And again, if we've got temperatures, we're screening that for our health policy as much as we're screening it for COVID because our health policy also stipulates the temperature limitation. But we know that the overhead cameras are not foolproof. They're about 90 some odd percent. Um, and we know that we need to double check any flagged temperature before we allow that child to go, to go to class. And we'll have a methodology and the staff in place at the entrances to make that happen. So hopefully that'll help answer that question. Let's see. Um, we are changing schedules relative to foreign languages. Um, and so please know that we are separating the cohorts. So that's happening right now. Administration's working on that. And we are going to separate those cohorts. And so the language classes will be, not be mixed for um, age level. And I know uh, administrators are working diligently on this to come, come together on that. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Michael actually confirmed that. So there you go. Uh, current recommendation about 14-day quarantine for people coming from U.S. and Canada. It's interesting. Um, we're doing it as a self-quarantine, and all of our new staff that came to the U.S. are doing that quarantine. We are going to test them in the middle to make sure uh, that we're checking them as well. Um, but interestingly, unless they're flying directly in from the United States or Canada, um, if they're connecting at an EU airport, they're not being subjected to a controlled quarantine here. As a school, we're recommending that. And it's not just, uh, and it's not Canada, by the way, it's only US. Uh, and so uh, you really have to kind of be aware of all the guidelines and what it is that's currently in play, but the enforcement is lagging and there's some problems with it. And so we're gonna have to uh, figure this out as, as well. Uh, but Canada is not on a 14-day quarantine. We know that for sure. USA is if it's a direct flight, but if you're from the USA, you can't travel here unless you're an essential worker and have residency or, 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 or a variety of exceptions. And so we believe that there's a limitation on the basis of actually traveling here. So that's why they're not um, enforcing a strong quarantine at arrival. And again, it depends upon if you're a connecting flight or a direct flight and how this is all coming together. 
we're still studying this and we're still trying to keep track of all of this. So please be advised, we don't know all the answers and we would suggest uh, foreign ministry and uh, diplomatic websites for more detailed information on this. Um, uh, Michael answered the question about separation. So we've got all that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's see, there are so many dropped ones. So I have to go back up here. Uh, um, uh, thank you, Amy. Let's see, what, what steps are being taken to ensure the hybrid delivery is as good as it can be? It, it, we're just doing due diligence, Amy. Uh, we're going to design a hybrid approach that's superior to what we did back in March when we had our self-quarantines out. Um, and we know we have to do more, uh, but we know that we have to be thoughtful about the age of the child and what um, teachers can legitimately pull off and a focus on the social emotional piece. So we don't really know um, all the details. We're gonna have teachers fully engaged on this uh, when they start coming back, because that's going to be the focus of our preparatory activities is one, how can we always be prepared for virtual school for the stints that we may have to go to it? And how can we provide a hybrid based approach um, in order to make sure um, that we're going to um, serve the needs of kids if they choose to stay home on this hybrid approach. And again, this is just the initial choice by parents and uh, in deciding to come to school. We knew that we had to have this AB option to start. And then later, and again, depending upon division and cohort and those kinds of things, uh, we'll have the C option and maybe the D option and look at how we respond uh, to our families flexibly and in an agile fashion to um, serve their needs. Um, it's gonna be hard work and we know that. Uh, and, and staff who are tuned in, I know are listening to this and, and just know we're gonna need all of your creativity and thoughts about how we can make this work for all of our students. Um, Alexandra, that's, yeah, that's strange too, but we had people arrive from Canada and there was no quarantine on arrival. So again, this is where we've got to uh, reach out to the authorities and see if we can um, and see if we can understand what it is they're actually doing. Um, again, we're going to have our testing regime. So 72 hours after arrival and then on the weekly basis, um, we think there's going to be a lot of protection on this. And so, um, so thank you for that. Um, any other questions? I, I think I caught them all. I hope I caught them all. Um, Yeah, I'm scrolling through and I think I've seen them all. So, oh, uh, what if the Polish government decides on a later start date for school opening? Um, everything we're hearing from Polish government is that they're going to leave school opening up to the directors. Um, they're going to basically do the same as what they did in the springtime. Um, they might delay the opening of, of local schools, but They'll make a decision, but then they'll leave it up to directors to make decision for their own school. So just know we don't we don't necessarily, unless there's an absolute declaration, all schools must close across the country. We don't believe we need to worry about what other schools may choose to do. We can choose our own methodology and practice. And we will be through our process and through our practices, the safest school in town. Uh, quite literally, we are, we are going out on the leading edge. We are following the example of, of 
important schools around the world, primarily at the college level, but we are seeing uh, preparatory schools now get on board on preventative testing. And certainly the science is backing it up and the protocols are there and FDA approval and all of these things are, are really lining up as well as um, the Polish re requirements and the EU guidelines are all lining up on this practice. Um, again, it, the, 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 the hurdles are cost and, um, and the resources, but we seem to be blessed here in Poland that we have plenty of resources. Our bid uh, process showed that there were multiple bidders um, that were um, willing to take on this challenge of testing. And so um, there really is um, a, an opportunity here in Poland because there seem to be many companies stepping up to be ready for this, uh, to do effective preventative testing. And again, differentiating preventative testing from diagnostic testing. We don't want to eat up diagnostic resources. They're off separate territory. Uh, we really are focused on preventative testing, which is where the pooled uh, testing comes in in order to provide testing as a preventative measure. And I'll hasten to add, there is nothing 100% here. This does not give us 100% protection. There is no 100% in this. Um, this is this is not exact science. This is not causality. These are reducing risk, but they will never get to zero risk. This is about re reducing, but not eliminating. So I want everyone to understand, if you don't remember anything from tonight, that we are not assuring you a 100% solution here. Um, nobody can do that. Even Epixpert will tell you through medical advice that there is no 100% solution. But this plan reduces risk to about the lowest levels you can get to and provides for something that we can adapt to and make sustainable for the long haul. And we're in this for the long haul. We all understand that, right? This is a long time period, a long process, a year, possibly longer. I know there's good news on immunization out there and the potential for that to come, but we don't know that yet. We do not know that yet. And so we really need to be thoughtful about um, preparing and hunkering down for the long haul, which means we have to have this kind of a plan that can respond and that can protect our community. Um, well, thanks, Michael. Great. Appreciate you jumping on that as well. Um, current regulations, thank you, Amy, for sharing that. Again, uh, I'll just caution, Amy, I know what it says on that website. That's not necessarily what's happening at the airport. <laughs> and I'll just say that uh, because we've got 28 people that came in and they all had a different experience at the airport and, uh, and they were coming from places all over the world. And if they connected in a European airport and transitioned, um, they were not being asked to quarantine or, or even self-quarantine. Um, so just, just so you know that, it's very inconsistent. Um, uh, we have open door policy amongst different grades or same grades. No, we're actually going to be much more controlled, Paru, in, um, in, the, in the open door uh, policy. Uh, we're going to stay primarily within elementary within grade levels. And so you'll see much more control over that. 
Um, so just wait again for division to get out to you on this, but it'll be much more limited in interaction, even within a cohort. And we are looking at that. We're really trying to make sure we're doing safe practices in the context of this overall plan. Ah, uh, let's see, anything else? I'm gonna scroll up just to make sure I didn't miss any here. Uh, oh, there you go. Polish radio today said no quarantine for Canada. There you go. All right. I think I'm done. Uh, there's 81 people online and I want to thank you all for sticking in with me for a fairly longish session. Thank you for all the thumbs up that are coming through. <laughs> I appreciate the feedback. Um, we're going to come back next week uh, with, uh, with our guest uh, and we're going to continue down this path. Uh, again, the survey will open tomorrow. Watch for uh, the update in your mailbox. I also learned today that some of our new families may not be receiving these emails. It makes It's silly for me to say new families, if you're not receiving the emails and coming to this, please reach out to us because you're not here. Um, and so we're going to work hard tomorrow to make sure that all of our new families are plugged into our email addresses that's supposed to be an automated system and make sure that everything's flowing smoothly um, to our new families as well as our returning families. And we'll keep you posted and keep everyone online um, and everyone going. Okay. Oh, there's new comments. Let me just grab and see if there's anything else. Oh, lots of thank yous coming in. And thanks again to my crew, uh, uh, Cabinet uh, and everyone who's backing me up to Jim uh, Young and the facilities and maintenance staff who've been working tirelessly on all these processes. Please shout out to purchasing. Um, they've been absolutely amazing in sourcing all of the material and equipment and things that we need uh, for this safe school opening. The projects are in play. There's lots of work going on all around the school um, in order to make sure this place is prepped and ready for our first day. So thanks again. Um, let's see, Seiko has one last question. Uh, uh, I, class assignments and things, Seiko, I can't answer you on that. There is always gonna be a balancing of our class assignments. Um, and many friends have left and come. That's just part of year on year. So stay tuned on that. I don't know how much we can do um, to capitalize on last year's groupings and try to bring that forward. And so I'm, I'm happy that you put that there and I'm, I'm glad I was able to answer that quickly, but look for more uh, from Mr. Flattiger in due course about um, the class assignments and what that looks like and how that'll work. All right, that's it. I'm gonna try to sign off here um, and make sure I uh, give you back the rest of your evening. Uh, thanks again for joining me tonight. Um, I really appreciate all of your uh, wonderful comments, your feedback on the surveys have been extremely helpful in helping us to design and develop this plan. Uh, I appreciate all the care and hearts and, and thumbs up as we put this together and as we get inch our way closer to the first day of school. So stay tuned, um, be safe, be well, and we'll look forward to seeing you in very short order.